I'm Richard Pyatt. Welcome to another In the Summit Points podcast series, the Behavioral Health Authority in Calhoun County, Michigan. Today, our guest is Kent Raymond, and we're talking about recipient rights. Hello, Kent. Hello, Richard. How are you doing? Great. Thanks for this opportunity. When we talk about recipient rights at Summit Point, what do we really mean? We are talking about the mental health code for our clients here. Anybody who is receiving services through the state of Michigan has extra rights that are provided for them through what we call the Michigan Mental Health Code. That was passed back in 1974, and that establishes extra protections for those people who are the most vulnerable in our society. So that's what we're really talking about. Okay, 1974. That goes back uh, about as far as I do. Even, Same here. <laughs> even less. <laughs> so the, the goal then is to make sure that, as you say, the folks who are the most vulnerable have some guidelines surrounding the treatment they receive. Is it fair to say? Yes. The idea is that we are not going to allow the people that are most vulnerable to be abused or neglected. We're very similar to what Child Protective Services or Adult Protective Services does for their clients. I mean, this is especially for uh, those who are receiving those mental health services. So every single CMH in Michigan will have a recipient rights officer and a recipient rights office to make sure that those clients are being protected. Okay, so what processes then are in place to assure that that happens? Well, we've got a lot of different things. One of them is that every single person that works for or is contracted through the CMH has to take recipient rights training within the first 30 days of hire. So you have to take a class with me to explain what the rights of the individuals are, and then you are now a mandatory reporter. So if you see any type of violation to those rights that I've taught you, you are to contact our office, and then we are actually an investigative office, so we will look into those rights and investigate those. All right. I presume the real commitment that the folks at Summit Point and other CMHs have as it relates to uh, the folks with whom they work, you find that adherence to that is is understood and probably followed. I mean, we're talking about a yeah. dedicated group, right? We're talking about people who, none of these companies are in for this for the money. They're here to help people. And so they want to make sure that they're doing what is right. Um, and since the mental health code is pretty strict, you know, no abuse, no neglect. And there's a few other little ones like, Each one of our clients um, must be treated with dignity and respect. That's the law in the state of Michigan. So if you're not seeing that happen or you're not feeling that your doctor or your therapist is treating you that way, that's where our office will stop in and intervene and make sure that that is happening. Mm -hmm. And speaking of that, how do you assure the providers and the network adhere to the the recipient rights code? That's where we've got our investigative powers. So our office is um, almost as impartial as you can get. We report to, I report directly to Jeannie, the CEO, but then our office investigates everybody else who is contracted for some point. So we try to stay neutral as possible. We, We don't give a lot of input into all the other things because we need to stay as impartial as possible because we might be um, looking into the medical director here. We might be looking into the clinical director, therapist, uh, the janitor. doesn't matter who it is. Everybody is under our jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. And so what are the uh, the codes, if you could 
give sort of a 50,000 foot view of, of the codes that, that guide you, how would you describe those? Oh my gosh. There's uh, a <laughs> lot of different codes that we actually do under the mental health code, but the major ones are abuse and neglect. So we look at to make sure that people are not being sexually abused, uh, physically abused, mentally, um, or taken advantage financially. We make sure that those things aren't happening. And then we're making sure that the neglect aspect is when the clients are being worked with, are they being treated correctly and uh, are getting the services that they are entitled to here in Michigan? If not, there's a lot of recourse for them to be able to make sure that they get the actual stuff that they're paying for through mm -hmm. uh, Medicaid. This is uh, in place to assure these things, but I would imagine that somehow you need to report to the state uh, yep. as to the status of any investigations or, or just the overall status. Is that true? Yes. That's why I say we're kind of like a pseudo independent agents because we do have a uh, reporting to the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services Office of Recipient Rights. They oversee us. They inspect us every three years to make sure that we are certified. We've got to take CEUs to keep our investigative skills up to measure. But we also have to turn in yearly reports to them stating this is what we are finding. And we have quarterly meetings with all of the other directors of recipient rights throughout the state. So if we're seeing patterns that a certain provider that we're using isn't up to our specs, we're able to talk to the other um, officers and say, what are you seeing there? And then if there's something overarching going on with a provider, we can have the state step in and say, hey, we're seeing this not just at one CMH, but we're seeing this at three or four, um, and they're able to take it from there. Uh-huh. What you, would you say are the the most significant challenges that you have in this role? <laughs> um, I will tell you right now, funding is the number one mm. challenge that we run into. And it's not really for our office. Like our office is fully funded. Uh, we've got a staff of myself, a full-time investigator, and a part-time administrative person, which is great for the size of our CMH. But it's the funding to get quality staff in place. So I'm overlooking the staff of AFC homes, and we're talking about people that are providing 24-hour care for our clients, and they're making minimum wage. You're mm -hmm. talking right there, really, is that what I want my loved one being taken care of by somebody who's making minimum wage? We really, really need to look into how the state is funding um, the people that are most vulnerable. Right. Certainly not to say that that the folks there are not dedicated, but if they're not making a living wage, then it's sometimes easy. they have to work, you know, and yeah. sometimes you can't hire a full time person because you can't get them the benefits. So you have a person who's working 32 hours at one location and then is working 30 hours at another location because uh -huh. they need to make ends meet by making enough money. But then they're working 60 some hours, right. which really just tires a person out, especially when we went through the pandemic, we got hit hard in the health and human services because everybody was isolated. So mm -hmm. nobody could leave the homes for a year or so. Um, it was really, really hard to retain good staff during yeah. that uh, two years. Is there any movement in Lansing, uh, any uh, interest in trying to look into this sort of thing? Or is this one of these things that get that needs a, a lot of hooting and hollering before it gets attention? It usually needs hooting and hollering before it gets the attention. It's one of those things that um, if you're not involved in the system, you don't even know that it exists. So unless you're here with a loved one who has a mental illness or developmental disability, 
you don't see where what the what the whole um, the hooting and hollering is all about. Um, we were lucky a few years ago when we had our lieutenant governor who was all about autism because his daughter was autistic. Right. So a lot of funding was pushed in that direction. Well, we don't have that currently right now. So we just have a lot of people who have to raise the awareness themselves at the local level and then take that up to the state level. Well, Kent, I don't w- want to put a dark cloud over us here, but as you look across the state, you're familiar with what you see and what your colleagues see as they as they uh, sort out these uh, situations, investigations, assurances that recipient mm-hmm. rights are being followed. Are there certain things happening in a, a significant way that are real problems? Um, wow, that's a good question. For us here in the Battle Creek area, we're not seeing severe problems that are going on. I know that in the Detroit metropolitan area, there have been some providers that have gone through uh, some serious problems um, and have been shut down or fined or had to, you know, dissolve and restart. Here in this area, we're seeing some very good providers providing the best service that they can, but still not being able to find those good quality workers have caused them to reduce the amount of services that they're able to actually provide for mm-hmm. our clients. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's a shame when it comes down to the reason I can't do any more is because I can't find quality people. And uh, I really wish that's the direction we need to go for is getting people in, you know, that youth market, um, high school in the twenties, wanting to get into this job field. Mm -hmm. Who is that? I mean, when you look at just generally the kinds of folks who are interested in this, what kinds of of qualities do they have? What kinds of, of things have you observed that make them tick? Most of the people that do a great job in here have somebody that has touched their life or has somebody who is um, of special needs and they want to reach back out. This is not a field where somebody gets into say, I'm going to make a lot of money and I'm going to retire early or any of those things. <laughs> it's it's a calling more than anything than a lot of fields that we see. So when we see somebody getting into this field, you will have people get in for a couple of years and then get right out because it's not for them. Or you will have people here who have been here for 25 or 30 years because mm-hmm. it is a lifelong mission for them. Right. And so thus the, uh, the quality people yep. attraction that you talk about, some of the folks whom you do attract discover after they've had some exposure to it, that maybe it's not for them. And so you're back to trying to, uh, to, to fill those vacancies. Yes. Yes. And it ends up being a, you know, kind of almost reinventing the wheel, getting people in, getting them through the training. They'd find out that this isn't for them. And then they start all over. Um, we're uh, here at some point have a lot of people that have been here for it. I've been now here. Uh, this will be my 11th year that I'm starting here at some point. So I've uh, come from different areas and different CMHs, but I've uh, found a home here. And I think that there are a lot of people here at some point that are very dedicated for helping our consumers in our community. Well, I appreciate this thought. And uh, I presume that if someone feels as though their recipient rights have been violated, uh, how do you advise them to proceed? I mean, you're you're looking into things, but there must be a process on the other end that helps uh, assure that they're addressed. 
at any point, any client could go to any person that works at the CMH or under the CMH, and they can say, I feel that my rights have been violated, and they will be connected with our office. We have forms that they can fill out. We have uh, phone numbers that they can reach out and contact us right away from. Um, but every single one of our offices have trained staff right at the lobby who will point them towards the recipient rights office. We are accessible to the clients every single day. Um, Monday through Friday when they are coming into our offices. And we have a goal of returning any phone call within 24 hours so we can make sure that somebody is uh, heard and we can go from there. The process obviously is very important. The existence of this obviously is very important as well. We are one of the few uh, states that have this extra protection. A lot of them rely on the federal government supplying them with uh, an office and some places have like three investigators for an entire state. That's why I know Wisconsin has a very small system where we here in Michigan take a very good pride in saying that we are going to take care of our clients. So every uh, county's community mental health agency has a rights officer there dedicated to helping the clients out. Well, uh, as I often say at the end of these uh, Summit Point episodes, thank you for all the work you're doing and uh, the difference that you're making. Well, thank you, Richard, for spreading the word. And if anybody has any questions, uh, they can contact Summit Point Switchboard and we'll be connected to our rights office where any further questions they might have. All right. Kent Raymond, focused on recipient rights at Summit Point. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. Thank you.